Hi, my name is Rochelle Grow, and I'm obsessed with all things business, especially networking. Oftentimes, the opportunities that we have in business and even personally comes down to who we know. I love helping people build a thriving network with genuine people, even if they are new to the game, afraid to say the wrong thing, or need a reminder to just do it. I'm a California transplant living in Northern England who's taken her business chops from California to New York and now the US to the UK. I work from home and run two businesses. No matter if you're a networking beginner or not, I can teach you the step-by-step behind the scenes secrets to building a network that you love. Pop in your earbuds and get ready to be encouraged and have some fun while you learn. This is Allergic to Small Talk by Cut Class. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Allergic to Small Talk podcast. You can catch me here every Thursday, or you can see me live every Thursday on Insta at Let's Cut Class, or you can say what's up to me in my Facebook group called Allergic to Small Talk. All right, let's get into today's episode. Do you dread showing up to networking events because you know the room is only going to be filled with strangers? Or maybe at networking events, you envy that person that looks like they just can work the room. Isn't that just kind of frustrating? Because when you try to network, maybe you might fall flat on your face or you stick to the same person the entire event. If this is something you can relate to, you are going to love my guest today. Hey guys, Ro here. I am hosting a free masterclass called How to Save Worry, Time, and Money While Networking. Three secrets behind taking your networking experience from ugh to yay. Look, networking doesn't have to completely suck. You can network and build authentic connections all while on your terms. In this masterclass, you will learn how to redefine networking. Networking doesn't have to involve meeting strangers in a hotel conference room where people are wearing 100 shades of navy. While I can't promise that you won't end up at these events, you will gain a new perspective on networking. You will probably realize you're already networking and you don't even know it. You'll find your networking type. There are four types of networkers, sharks, penguins, bees, and lone wolves. Do you prefer to bite heads off or do you feel like you're the one getting your head bit off? Find out what type of networker you are first before you go into networking. It's such an important task to do. Next, find the right group for you. Say heck no to the groups that are soul-sucking and say yes to groups that light you up. Learn to dodge groups that cause stress and suck up your time and money. Learn how to answer, what do you do? Ugh, as if strangers can't come up with a better get-to-know-you question. Don't sweat it, I got you. There are seven different ways to answer this question. Never stumble on this question ever again. And lastly, learn how to tell your story to genuinely connect with people. Conversation upgrade, anyone? Telling your story helps combat that solo combo that says, shoot, what do I say next? And it provides multiple connection points for your clients, colleagues, and acquaintances. You can register at letscutclass.com forward slash join. This masterclass is a must attend if, number one, you hate networking, but you know you have to do it for your career or business. Two, you're an introvert and you're tired of forcing yourself into networking groups that you know aren't a good fit, but you think that's just what you have to do. Three, you're worried about saying the wrong thing or being caught not knowing the answer to a question. And four, you want to know how to reach your career or business goals through non-salesy networking. If this resonates with you, go sign up to attend at letscutclass.com forward slash join. 
Listen, I've been building and nurturing my network for over 25 years. It's safe to say I've been around the networking block from creating relationships in the nonprofit world, building contacts with corporations for fundraising, holding executive roles within companies and building report internally, managing sales teams and schmoozing with clients. Not my favorite. It was part of the job to joining many traditional networking groups in California, New York, and now England for my own businesses. I've discovered the missing ingredients behind a successful networker, which sets them apart from one that's absolutely worried about attending an event. This masterclass is a culmination of everything I've learned to build real relationships to go after my goals, but most importantly, to contribute to my network's goals too. I am so excited to share them with you. If you're committed to figuring out how to network in a way that suits you, I can't wait to help you get there. So once again, you can register at letscutclass.com forward slash join. All right, let's get back to the show. Today, my guest is Leah Rosenbaum, and she is from New York City. She's a certified personal development coach. And when she isn't coaching, you can find Leah working in development at an arts and mentoring nonprofit, taking bar and spin classes. I can totally attest to that. Enjoying walks in Central Park, exploring NYC's street art scene, or discovering new baked goods. She holds a JD from NYU School of Law and a BA with honors from Brown University. I won't make you wait any longer. Welcome to the show, Leah. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. So I did give you a brief introduction, but I always like to have my listeners hear from my interviewees in their own words. When somebody asks you, like, hey, Leah, tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you say? Yeah, well, I I do like to throw in, as I gave you in that intro, you know, some of my professional credentials and some of my personal, because I think that's really the best way to get to know people. So to echo some of what you said, I am a non-practicing lawyer. I now work in development at an arts and mentoring nonprofit, but also work as a personal development coach, which I just absolutely love. And, you know, the things that also just keep my soul on fire and alive are being with my friends and family to the extent we can do that right now. As you said, also, I love taking bar and spin classes on my Peloton or Zoom. And uh, yeah, I love art, you know, which is clear, obviously, in my professional work and also in my personal life. And I am a major brownie addict everyone in my family and my close friends can attest to that. I know that you love street art. I also know that you always post really cool things on Insta. Like it's like some colorful door or something really like super artistic. Can you just tell me a little bit about that? Because I just love when you post stuff like that. Yeah, you know, I think that came from like a mix of two things. One, my mom did study photography in school and she has a really artistic eye and she'd probably deny that if she, like when she hears this, she'll be like, I don't know what you're talking about. But she, so I think that always really kind of inspired me seeing that growing up and seeing some of the photos she would take. But then also I used to co-run and then fully run an Instagram account called what I'm holding. And that actually is sort of what led me out of practicing law to um, the next steps on my journey. And that 
was, you know, to use the word of the influencer and we were anonymous, uh, but it definitely made me start noticing the world around me in a very different way because I was looking for like, what cool things can I highlight, which then translated into my personal account of like, just being more aware. And I know that people feel like having the phone on our cameras, anyone can be an influencer, a photographer. Yes, there are a lot of negatives and downsides to that. And like, no one needs to know every moment of my day. But I think it (laughs) also gave me this awareness to really look around and notice the moments. And it really complemented my own growth as a person. And just, you know, I, I believe there are so many beautiful things that are constantly happening and we're not always realizing them. So really just trying to be present and notice those moments and using the powers of social media and that built-in lens to document and reinforce that. That's super cool because, you know, I didn't know that you used to run an Instagram account for someone else. (laughs) Yeah, it was, so it was me and uh, someone I went to college with and actually uh, I, longer story for another day, but he has it back now. I don't know if he's doing anything with it. It was kind of a, situation. I got it. I got the situation. <laughs> it was a sitch. Got it. Cool. But yeah, I'll uh, I'll send you the link after this. You can check out my hand. <laughs> yeah, I totally want to see it. It's so exciting. <laughs> I'm so intrigued now. Okay. So when you and I met in NYC a few years ago, tell me like what were you doing during that time? Like what were you up to? Were you still in the nonprofit world at the time? Like talk to me about it. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what year it was that we actually met so I can be more accurate. But I think my my son's three and a half. So I was so I would say four years ago. No, no, maybe not four and a half years ago because I was pregnant for nine months and he was born in New York. So and I met you before I got pregnant. Like so Right. Oh my God. That's terrifying to me that he's so old. But I love it. I love it. Um Yeah. So you, I knew you then during a bit of a change. So when I first met you, then I was freelancing, doing partnerships and business development uh, for different clients. Uh, It was really all focused around the social media space and growing with partnerships that were based on, you know, social posts, stories, things like that. Sometimes they translated also into like a blog post or something more that involved other platforms. So that was my main focus at that time. Um, And also doing, as I just mentioned, the the Instagram account. Um, And then it was in January, 2018, I left what I was doing as a freelancer. You know, I think for anyone who's been a freelancer is a freelancer, it's tough. You know, you feel like you spend a lot of time hustling, not as much time doing the work you want to do. You want things like health insurance and yeah, a team. Nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's nice to also have t- a team, right? It can get kind of lonely. Um, and so I got a position at a human capital solutions firm, which is the fancy way of saying basically that they, they do recruiting and HR uh, outsourced for companies. And I was doing business development for them in their creative team. So bringing on new clients for the company to work with. And I did that 
for uh, about a year and a couple months. It was not the right fit for me. And um, you yeah, know, it sounds like that would be a little too stuffy for you. It, yeah, it was not the right environment. It was not, it was really mostly just a sales job. So it was just not stimulating. I, I was led to believe that it was going to be a little bit different than it was. And the environment was just not quite right. So I got a great position doing what I do now, which is I lead corporate engagement at a nonprofit. And it's, it's fantastic. I love what I do. I love the organization. Uh, we work with children ages six through 18, but also really 21. We have a couple alumni and they're fantastic. And it's a great group of people and having gone through the pandemic or still going through it, you know, I think has really just highlighted the team's strengths and the organization. And it just makes me even more proud to be there. Cool. So now we're kind of right. So when we met, you were doing freelancing, then you kind of went back into the job market with the HR human capital Mm -hmm. uh, organization. And now you're with this awesome nonprofit, which sounds like they do super cool work, but you're all all starting to almost trend back into working for yourself again, which, well, you are, you are. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's where we're kind of leading into the coaching. And that's why I was so excited at why I'm so excited to have you on the show. So talk to me about why you got into coaching and kind of, you know, your experience, kind of how your experience led to this, right? Because everybody kind of has their story of like why they like landed on what they've landed on. So tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, you're kind of catching me to it, like a really pivotal moment of this and I'll get to why. So I've wanted to be a coach for a really long time. I remember reading an article in the New York Times, I think it was like the health section or maybe it was the styles. I can't remember. It was years ago. And it was a woman who was a coach. And I remember thinking like, well, that sounds really cool. And that sounds like something that I kind of do in my personal life. Like I'm very much the mom friend, the advice friend, the brainstorming person. And then I was like, but I don't have all the answers. So how could I help someone else get all their answers? And slowly over time, I came to realize that's not what a coach is. And, and, and no one has all the answers. And like, if you did have all the answers, then I don't know what you do with yourself for the, like sit in a room and just like ponder being so completely enlightened. Um, no, you'd be called Google. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You know, you're like an algorithm. You're not real. You're Siri. Um, You know, and she doesn't even get it right half the time. So, uh, you know, there was that realization of like, oh, I, I can do this if I want to do this. And then, you know, the pandemic came and suddenly I started really thinking as I think probably a lot of people did about what I really want and what really fulfills me. And, it wasn't necessarily that I had so much extra free time, but just without things like, you know, going to dinner or a show, I was looking and seeing, okay, well, how can I fill that time with something that's really going to fulfill me? And this is also a time when it feels like everything we want has been taken away. So what can I do to take that power back? And for me, that was finding a coaching program and filling those free hours with coaching class and learning and then being like, now I have this thing that's for me that I'm working on and I'm doing and I'm making progress at this time when it feels like we're all being held in limbo. And so it became almost this like double-edged 
empowerment of, you know, working so that I can empower others, but also feeling really empowered myself. And uh, to go back to what I said at the beginning about you catching me at a really pivotal moment, one thing that in coaching that is sort of drilled into you for better or worse, and I know some people just totally toss it, but that you have to have your specific niche and like, who is it you serve? And, you know, you can't serve everyone. And I totally believe that, but it definitely was something that I was struggling with. Like, what is my niche? And I was actually talking to a friend of mine the other day and she's just, I feel like she's magical. She's someone who just like pulls the best out of you regardless. And uh, even if she's not intending to. And I felt like, you know, I've had an unconventional or non-traditional, if we want to use maybe a nicer word, career path. But I think there's a lot of power in that. And I don't think I'm alone in that. And I, I really believe that the only way we can succeed is when we're doing the things that light us up and having a life that feels fulfilled on all fronts. And I think that so much of that has been the driving force in my life. And it's definitely scary. And you have to take risks and leaps. And yeah, there are certain times where if I had stayed in what I was doing, it maybe would have been easy um, for certain reasons. But I think that ultimately, I'm able to lead a much more fulfilled and happy life because I have listened to myself and my gut. And I think that that is really my superpower, so to speak. Yeah, I love that. That's so great. And I, that totally resonates with me as well, because, you know, that's kind of the, how cut class came to fruition as well. We kind of have a motto on our team. It's like when things kind of seem like everything's falling apart, really so many other things are falling into place. So I totally get that 100%. Okay. So, you know, my audience struggles with that. I call it a solo conversation when they go into networking situations and it may not even necessarily be talking to strangers, right? Mm -hmm. It could also just be like reigniting an old contact. So you have some really great tips today that I want to dive into that will really help out my audience that's listening. And so as we go through these tips, I would like you to grab a piece of paper or in a pen or take notes on your phone, because these are going to be some really good nuggets that you're going to want to walk away with that are going to totally help you on your networking journey. So let's dive into number one, Leah, that's removing the scare factor and understanding what you really want. Can you explain what that means? Yeah, I think sometimes we get intimidated by something or we find ourselves at a block. And when we break down what that's about, it can help us move forward or see that it's not really something to hold us back. It's in many cases an opportunity. So I think, you know, the first thing is to just say like, what is it you're afraid of? Whether that's walking into a room and like, you know, oh my God, I never know who to approach, or it looks like everyone's talking to someone and I'm going to be breaking in, like identifying what it is that is, you know, triggering that anxiety or fear for you is really powerful because once you can name the thing, then you can start to work on strategies to overcome that. And, you know, so related to that is also just thinking about then the networking session, or as you said, you know, reigniting an old contact and what your goals are, because that can also be really empowering. Like if you go in with a game plan, then 
it, it takes some of that away. So if you know, okay, my goal here is to, you know, successfully, I want to talk to three people. And if you know that, then, okay, you walk into a room and like, maybe you still aren't sure who you're going to approach, but you know, you're going to talk to three people. And now you have a very tangible thing that is easily within your power to make happen. Again, it's all about just identifying it so that you can come up with those goals and breaking them into like sub goals, even, you know, maybe it's okay. I'm going to talk to one person on that side of the room and one person on that side of the room, because, you know, sometimes if you have these huge overarching, like I'm going to come out of this with, you know, 10 new contacts and a business plan and it's like, just go for the small, <laughs> low hanging fruit sometimes, because that's the first step. Like no one goes from couch to marathon right away. First, you're like, okay, I need to first figure out how to run a mile. Then like, let's try a 5k, then, you know, it builds. And so if you can break it down for yourself by identifying what it is that's holding you back, is it because you don't know the right sneakers to buy? Okay, we can solve that and get you to that marathon. And also, I know you mentioned, you know, reigniting a former contact. So what is your goal in reaching out to them? Is it, you know, you saw something they wrote that was interesting or, you know, you remember a conversation you had that was, that has always inspired you. Like if you can identify what your goal is in contacting them, or maybe they have a network or know someone that you think is interesting, then it sort of takes away the fear because you know what it is you're trying to achieve. Totally. I really like that. And I think sometimes people, when they go into these situations where they're thinking, oh, it's just going to be a room full of strangers. Well, if you could just identify what it is, is it really the strangers or like, what is that actual problem that that's kind of coming up for you? And when, yeah, I love that when you can actually pinpoint one thing, it gives you something to focus on to peel back the layers and start working on a solution for it. So you can create those goals to go after. I love that. Okay. Yeah. And and similarly, and I know that so much of positive psychology is thinking through you know, what can go right, but there is also actually a big school of thought about thinking through what could go wrong and preparing for it. I heard an incredible story and I'm not going to even do it justice, but apparently Michael Phelps one night had like extra time on his hands. And this was, I think it was before the Olympics. I want to say he was, he was a younger swimmer at the time. And so he would go through like all sorts of scenarios in his head, ones that his coach gave him, ones that he came up with. And one night he comes up with the scenario, his goggles fill with water. What is he going to do? Because I didn't realize this until I heard the podcast. Maybe you or your listeners are familiar, but you can't stop and take your goggles off in the middle of a race. You'll be disqualified. So he sat in bed that night and thought through how he would do it. Lo and behold, it happens to him in a race. And he wins the race. And his coach asks him, like, how did you do that? And he's like, oh, I I prepared for this. And so sometimes I like to ask my clients, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Because once you think through that worst case scenario, or maybe you even have a couple worst case scenarios, then you can come up with strategies to overcome them. And in some cases, you realize your worst case is like not actually something bad. So, you know, going back to a networking event, what's the worst that happens? You feel like you didn't talk to anyone or or you didn't make a good connection. 
okay, well, what can you learn from that? Like, you know, think about what you did. So you can try new strategies next time, or you were in the room. Maybe just the fact that you got there is huge. Who did you meet or see that maybe you didn't talk to, but now you could follow up with? Like, there's all sorts of things that are learning moments in there. And really, okay, so like absolute worst case, you walked in, it was like an intimidating room or you weren't feeling it and you walked out. Did your life get materially worse from that? No, like literally there was nothing gained, nothing lost. Like maybe, maybe you got a good drink or something, you know, like there was probably something still good that happened, but I would venture to say that nothing bad happened. And so like really, okay. It was like a negative neutral outcome, you know, not the worst. 100%. I love that. Great. Okay, cool. So let's dive in to tip number two, how to find some talking points if you get stuck. This is such a big one for my audience because it's kind of hard to figure, like, you know, keep a conversation going, especially if the other person in the conversation with you is expecting you to carry the conversation. And sometimes small talk isn't like the best. So how do you, like, what do you, what is your advice in this area? Yeah, it's definitely tricky and it can be awkward and strange. So I think you know, it's great to just have some things that you can rely on uh, and go in a little bit prepared. Obviously, you don't want to sound like a robot and rehearsed, but uh, I would say, you know, again, to start yourself off, think about your why. Why are you there? Why were you invited? Also is really powerful. You have something to offer. That's why you're there. That's why you got into this group or got the invitation. And so what are those things? Talk about your business or, you know, something that makes you really unique, a hobby. You know, these are all sorts of ways that we start to relate to and engage with people. And also think about what you're hoping to get out of this event. So, you know, don't be afraid to ask people questions about themselves. And I would say that one thing that is really useful too is is to practice. So whether that's in a mirror or with a family member, a friend, you know, just practice having those conversations. The, hi, what brought you here tonight? How did you find out about this group? Some of those are are really interesting questions and the open-ended ones. Go for open-ended things. If you ask someone a yes or no question, like, you know, are you having a good time? Well, that's not really going to get you very far in a conversation. And (laughs) You're not going to learn a, a whole lot about them. And, and who's going to say no? They're just going to be like, yes, and then, you know, move on. But if you start to ask those bigger questions, you know, they can build those connections between you and the group as a whole. That's where you're really going to thrive. So, you know, again, some examples. What brought you here? You know, even some of those like icebreaker topics, you know, what's been the best part of your week so far? Um, you know, yeah, I love that one. I think that's a you. Yeah. And I, I think also if you frame things in a positive, that's really great. I know sometimes we tend to focus on the negatives because we're so judgmental of ourselves, but people don't want to harp on that. People want to talk about the good things. And that's where you really start to see and build those connections because you'll see what lights someone up. And it's all about that strategic listening and learning and asking. And the more you find the thing that makes that person come alive, 
the deeper your connection is going to be. And, you know, I'd even venture so far as to say there are so many companies out there that make those table topics, for lack of a better word, like there are cards that you can pull out, you know, so I'm not saying bring those with you. That might be like super (laughs) weird, but get them for yourself and just like start thinking about different questions that you can ask and ways to connect with people. And it'll just get you in that mindset of opening up and being vulnerable and how to, you know, ask a question in an interesting way. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's so good. Like practice does definitely make perfect. And I think preparing for networking can seem weird, right? Because it's not like you're preparing to go on a run. You're not preparing to go lift weights. But if you don't prepare for it or practice to do it, like it's not going to turn out great. Even though they're like simple questions, it is really great to prepare yourself just so that you don't get stuck in those moments. Like it's just kind of a bank of questions that you can rely on. So don't make yourself feel bad or make yourself wrong if you are preparing for questions that maybe are easy for other people to ask, but for you, you just need a little bit more practice before showing up. Totally. And I would also say like, you can't really flub it. Like, you know, so what you ask a question and they don't really have an answer, ask another one. Like again, what's the worst case here? Love it. Cool. All right. Let's get into tip number three, support and the pump up. Ooh, this is good. Tell me about that. Yeah. And and I think this goes back to, you know, how can you prepare yourself so that you go into this feeling so strong and as awesome as you are? Again, you have a reason to be there and you need to make that known and make that shine. So, you know, one thing is to think about what triggers you, you know, when you get tongue tied or nervous are there specific things that happen? Maybe you your palms get sweaty or you find your heart starts racing. So, you know, are you able to notice that? And if you haven't noticed that yet, you know, start to look into that. Start to get curious so that you can find those signs and then know when it's happening so you can cut it off. And related to that, like, are there certain phrases and things that really empower you or pump you up? And some specific examples is there's a technique called five, four, three, two, one. And uh, some of you may be familiar. I've seen actually a fair number of people posting about it during the pandemic, which is great. Uh, We all need that grounding element, but um, it's really powerful. You can do it honestly anywhere. Sometimes I'll even do it just on a walk because I want to just feel more connected to the space I'm in. But the way it works is you first look around you and you name five things that you can see. You don't have to name these out loud. It's just for yourself, unless you want to do it out loud and you're in a place where that's appropriate. So, you know, maybe you see a, a tree if you're outside or a painting on your wall. And, uh, you know, just, just think about that. Take that in. And then it's four things you can feel. And you don't necessarily have to like go and touch them. Um, Again, depending on where you are, it might not be appropriate, but like maybe you feel the wind on your face or you see, again, that tree and, and you know that you could feel the bark and it would feel, you know, rough or it's a birch and it would feel smooth. Um, maybe you're sitting down and you, you notice um, you know, how the cushion feels under your legs and your bottom supporting you. 
Then the third is to name three things that you can hear. So the sound of the birds, uh, a siren, maybe your washing machine is on. And then number four is two things you can smell. So flowers, something cooking. If you're in New York City like me, there might be all sorts of strange things on the street that you can smell. <laughs> Both gotta love and hate New York for that. Um, and then number five is one thing you can taste. So, you know, that one sometimes is a little tricky, but, you know, even if there isn't something that you can't taste right or around you or think about, like maybe you're walking past a bakery, so you could think about how something in there might taste. You could also just think about a taste that you really like. And that really just brings you to the present moment because you're so focused on everything around you. So it's a really great way when nerves or anything starts to creep in to just bring you back to the space you're in. So that's a good one. Um, you know, something else is putting your hand on your heart or if you're in a situation where you can't, I know th this one comes with a little, I'd say there's mixed reviews on it. Crossing your arms, uh, to some people it can be standoffish, but it is also, <laughs> you know, if you take a moment to do it, it can be very soothing. It's like a, a little hug for yourself yeah. and gives you a little bit of that compression like you have with one of those weighted blankets. And so that can help calm you down. So even if it's you take yourself to the restroom for a minute, maybe, and just do that, you could always work on that. And also just breathing techniques. And there's so many out there from rectangular breathing to counting how many breaths you take in a minute. What is rectangular um, breathing? I have no idea what that is. Yeah. So it's it has to do with, you know, drawing the shape of a rectangle, but with your breath. So it's, you know, breathe in and then you breathe out, you know, and you imagine kind of making that first line and so on. And it's just, again, it's one of those things that just really grounds you and brings you to the present because when you're focused on something so basic and so immediate as your breath, like with the five, four, three, two, one things, it, everything else just kind of has to melt away. Um, and then, you know, switching to something that's a little less self-focused, you know, what can support you in this or who can support you in this? you know, maybe you get an accountability buddy and whether they're at this networking event with you or not, you're going to check in with them. So yeah, I'm going to this event tonight and this is my goal. And now, you know, you have someone who's counting on you to do something, or maybe they're there with you and, you know, you, you look across at the room with them every so often, like, how are you doing? Like, you're doing great. Like, you know, and, and get that immediate feedback. Um, or maybe you're like, pull them into the bathroom. And you're like, I'm crashing and burning. Like, give me a, give me a high five or something, you know, you have that talk. support or talk coach. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe there's a song that always like is your song. Uh, I know someone who asks, you know, what's your above the line song. And that means if you were somewhere and you hear this song, come on, you're going to get up and dance no matter what. So like put that song on as you, you know, are on your way to this event or right before you send that email to reconnect with someone, like get yourself as pumped up and as awesome as you are, or maybe it's, you know, something you can touch or feel. My therapist named it for me once. She's like, you're very talismanic. And I don't even know if that's an actual word or something. She just like made up, but either way, I love it. Um, 
you know, things for me can have a meaning. And I don't mean that in the materialistic sense, but like I have, you know, jewelry that was handed down to me from, you know, grandmother, my mother, or it was a great grandmother's. And sometimes if I, you know, I'm going into something big, I'm like, I want my grandmother's energy and strength with me. So I'm going to wear her ring. And, you know, if you need it, you look down, you're like, that was a badass woman who came before me and paved the way. And she's standing here with me. And like, who am I not to do this? Um, So things like that, that might, you know, also help inspire you and just like, keep you motivated and remembering, you know, you totally have this. Okay. Now I'm going to go and like, take a look at the talismatic. And I really love that because, you know, people say like, dress your best or like wear your boss babe suit or wear your whatever. Right. But that is super cool. If there's something that like kind of gives you that extra oomph and power and like definitely pumps you up. I never thought of it that way. So I thought I really, really like that. Super cool. All right. Well, Leah, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I absolutely loved all three of your tips, starting with number one, removing the scare factor, understanding what you really want. Number two, how to find some talking points if you get stuck. And number three, support and find what really pumps you up. All right, Leah, I want to thank you once again for coming on the show. And before we go, where can my guests find you if they want to work with you? Where can they find you? Yes. And, and thank you again for having me. It's been such a pleasure and such a treat to chat with you. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at my coach Leah and on my website, which is mycoachleah.com. So very easy, same name across the board. Would love to chat further with anyone. Uh, If you have questions also about anything I said, you know, totally open to hearing from you and, and helping you with that. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Leah. Thank you.